They've been playing the game their entire life. From the playground. I promise to exercise and eat right. Don't forget 60 minutes of play a day, right? I'm playing the NFL. Yes, sir. I'm addressing number one. Maybe. To their high school. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's go. To the university. We have 95 players here, so accomplished as athletes in high school. We gave them full scholarships to the best football program in the country. Now, their lives are about to change forever. You become your mom's favorite player? Whoa. This is Locked On NFL, and this is the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft. This is the Dallas Cowboys who owned the 17th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. Uh, we traded this pick to the Indianapolis Colts for pick 34 and 44. Uh, Lena, why don't you explain to the people why we decided to make this trade? Yeah, I mean, it, was, it became pretty clear once uh, Henderson and Kinlaw had come off the board. Those were our last two first-rounders that we were interested in taking at 17. We got a good offer on the table to trade back and potentially double dip in the, what we thought was the prime of the draft, so we, we took it. Yeah, it's just one of those situations where the, the guy that was at pick 17 wasn't going to be all that different from the player that was going to be there at pick 34, and it was just too good of a value to pass up. Uh, the, you know, we liked a lot of the names that were potentially going to be available, and that's why we decided to make the move. Here we are, day four of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft. What a day we had yesterday. That was Locked On Cowboys hosts talking about their decision to trade down from pick 17. You don't want to miss all the previous episodes in this Mock Draft special. Brian Peacock here alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. As we have every day so far in the show, we're going to hear from all the hosts on the network making pick for their respective teams when they are on the clock. We've got our friends from the college side of the network with the player profiles on all of these selections throughout round one and beyond. We'll check in with those teams on Friday that did not have picks in round one. So all NFL teams covered here on the network, Matt. We're down 20 picks today. We've got the Philadelphia Eagles going on the clock at 21, and we'll take it through pick 26 with the Miami Dolphins. And I want to start with the big trade action we saw on yesterday's show. And if you haven't listened yet and you don't want those spoilers, I'm about to spoil the first 20 picks in this draft. But we just heard there from the hosts of Locked On Cowboys, Matt, that was Marcus Mosher and Landon McCool, breaking down why they traded and we didn't hear from them yesterday so that's their reasoning on why they moved out of pick 17 in this mock draft yeah and that's the first i heard it and it really correlates what we've been saying that there's a sweet 16 in this draft and dallas unfortunately is the team picking 17 and they said it exactly as i would have that when kinlaw and henderson went we all of a sudden didn't have you know, a, a, a surefire first round grade on anybody left. And that makes perfect sense. So you move down, get multiple picks. Hopefully you help the defense. Maybe you pick up a center. And I, I think it was a really smart move by the Cowboys. Before we move on to pick 21 in the Philadelphia Eagles, let me just read off what we have so far in the first 20 picks here of the Locked On NFL mock draft. And this is your last chance to go uh, start Friday's episode and take this from pick one, uh, which was the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback out of LSU. Washington Redskins select Chase Young, number two, defensive end out of Ohio State. Jeffrey Okuda went three to the Lions, cornerback from Ohio State. Chargers moved up from six to four with the New York Giants to select Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback from Alabama. Justin Herbert then went five to the Dolphins, quarterback from Oregon. Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle from Iowa, six to the New York Giants. Justin Simmons, linebacker from Clemson, number seven to the Carolina Panthers. Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle from Alabama to the Cardinals at eight. The Jaguars... First selection of the first round, taking Derek Brown, defensive tackle from Auburn. Cleveland Browns select Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle from Georgia. And the run on offensive linemen or offensive tackles stopped at around 11 with the New York Jets taking Makai Becton from Louisville, at least for the top four, the top tier universally of those offensive tackles. 12 Raiders select C.D. Lamb, wide receiver from Oklahoma, and here's the wide receiver run, Jerry Judy to the 49ers at 13 from Alabama, his teammate Henry Ruggs to the Minnesota Vikings at 14. Uh, those Vikings traded up from 22 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get to 14. Then it was the Broncos at 15, selecting Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle from South Carolina. Atlanta Falcons going with C.J. Henderson, the cornerback from Florida at 16. Then it was 17. We just heard from the Cowboys who traded out Jordan Love, 
quarterback from Utah State, was selected by the Indianapolis Colts, who jumped all the way up from round two into the middle of round one to take the fourth quarterback off the board. Caleb Von Chase on to the Miami Dolphins at 18, edge rusher out of LSU. A.J. Terrell, cornerback from Clemson to the Raiders at 19. The Jacksonville Jaguars select offensive tackle from USC, Austin Jackson. And that leaves us now at pick 21 with the Philadelphia Eagles on the clock. Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino of the Draft Dudes podcast and thedraftnetwork.com here to set the scene for us on day four, picks 21 through 26 of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft. Fireworks went off yesterday in the trade department, but today we have uh, a couple teams here that, number one, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that moved back from 14, so we're, we're going to get a chance to find out what their consolation prize is after trading away from the pick that was used by the Vikings to get Henry Ruggs, and then we get that third Miami Dolphins pick today, which is going to be pretty exciting for us to see how that roster continues to come together, in addition to the Minnesota Vikings, who we're able to move up and still hold pick 25 in this draft. So Kyle, there's a lot to uh, be excited about today. Yeah. I'm also interested to see what the new England Patriots decide to do. This is a team that is facing as much change and overhaul as we can remember in any time over the course of this almost two decade long dynasty that this team has been able to string together. They're in a tough situation with the salary cap. Uh, they, They had some departing free agents. One of them being obviously Tom Brady, who's now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, a pretty prominent facelift here for the New England Patriots. How do they choose to handle their first draft selection? Will they stay true to their team building principles that that we've seen for so long when Tom Brady was the staple? Do they get crazy and reach for a quarterback here with the first four off the board? That is the team for me that I'm most interested to see play out as far as what direction they choose to go. And when you say reach for a quarterback, that would be exactly the case if they were to pick one at 23 because the big trade up the board for the Colts to move up for Jordan Love, the dream for the Patriots that he slides to 23 is gone. And and the New England Patriots have not drafted a quarterback in the first round since 1993. They certainly haven't had to. And so I would be really surprised if you saw Jalen Hurts or a Jake Fromm or, or something like that be the pick. I think the Patriots are kind of forced to go in a different direction here with 23. Yeah, no question. And, and another team that I'll be interested in as far as a team that's has a quarterback in the twilight of their career and facing a winning window is the New Orleans Saints at 24 and what they choose to do with that draft selection and a lot of different ways they could go. They've obviously beeped up their supporting cast with the signing of Emmanuel Sanders this offseason. Do they choose to get another younger body at wide receiver in a deep wide receiver class? Do they look to flesh out the defense, add more reinforcements to the pass rush? There's going to be options there on the table for the Saints, but uh, let's dig in and see exactly how today goes. The Philadelphia Eagles, widely thought to be looking at a wide receiver at this point in the draft. Yeah, that would make perfect sense. I mean, most people in the know have mocked wide receiver here. They obviously don't have their choice of that top three. I think if they don't go receiver, you would consider Queen or Murray, you know, really complete that defense. But historically, the Eagles put resources in their defensive front, and they've seen, we've seen them attack corner this offseason, linebackers down the road generally, and how they prioritize their defense. So that brings us back to receiver most likely. And again, you have whoever's fourth on your board most likely. And to me, that's Jefferson. But I think the style of receiver they would prefer as opposed to the slot Michael Thomas style is the downfield speed dude. And to me, that screams Denzel Mims. And that's the question here with a lot of the wide receivers that are going to go in this next group. Do you want a slot guy? Do you want an outside guy? Are you looking for downfield speed to develop? Are you looking for a quick underneath type of receiver? And uh, there's a lot of different shapes and sizes of this deep wide receiver class. Just to let you know who else is on the clock here, Tampa Bay did trade with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. So Tampa actually is picking next at 22. Then it's the New England Patriots, New Orleans Saints at 24. Vikings still have their second first round pick at 25 and the Miami Dolphins at 26. And the pick is in for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's go to the Locked On Eagles war room and find out who the selection is at 21. 
What's up, everybody? This is Louis DiBiase of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. And with the 21st overall pick in the 2020 Lockdown NFL mock draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Arizona State wide receiver Brandon Ayuk. No secret, the Eagles need help at wide receiver this year. Last year, they make the playoffs despite that position at the practice squad level. That's what they had featured on the outside for Carson Wentz, right? Greg Ward, Deontay Burnett, Robert Davis this year they head in with only really Deshaun Jackson as a lock to be part of the starting lineup. Who knows what J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is going to be in the second year. Alshon Jeffrey coming off a Liz Frank injury. He might not even be on the roster. Greg Ward had a promising final month of the season, but again, he was on the practice squad before that, so the Eagles desperately need help at wide receiver, and they desperately need help in the speed department Specifically, Deshaun Jackson is 34 years old. They have nobody else on the roster with his explosiveness or really what Ayuk has in that department as well. Ayuk is one of the best run-after-the-catch deep-threat wide receivers in a loaded 2020 wide receiver class. And he also has the upside of being a complete wide receiver one. This isn't a pick of just the Eagles need speed, so we're going to take a guy like John Ross or Philip Dorsett or Paris Campbell. No, Brandon Ayuk, yes, he is one of the best prospects in that area speed down the field run after the catchability short area explosiveness but he can do so much more he's an extremely fast route runner he can get open consistently against press coverage on the outside and he's also at 6-1 lengthy crazy wingspan and you add that on top of a 40 inch vertical he's somebody that He's going to create separation consistently, but if he doesn't, he can still go up there and make really tough catches. Actually, last year and his entire career at Arizona State, Brandon Ayuk never dropped a pass 20-plus yards down the field. So to me, I think this pick makes perfect sense for the Eagles. You have this great balance now of speed and size in your offense. Deshaun Jackson, Brandon Ayuk, and Miles Sanders is kind of your new Jackson, Macklin, and McCoy from 2010 to 2004. 14, and then you have the size of Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and hopefully J.J. Ortega-Whiteside slash Alshon Jeffrey or a rookie. That's just a way better balance than maybe taking somebody like Justin Jefferson here with this pick. And I think Ayuk would have the most upside of any wide receiver Carson Wentz has ever had. And I know maybe this seems like a surprise pick because there aren't a lot of mock drafts that have Brandon Ayuk this high, but to me, it won't feel like a reach in a few weeks. Teams have him graded this high. Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl respects his opinion for sure. He has talked with teams who said they have a higher grade on Ayuk than his former Arizona State teammate Nikhil Harry, who was a first-round pick last year for the New England Patriots. So I know Justin Jefferson, I know Denzel Mims, they're getting all the hype at this pick at 21, but I think Ayuk could go ahead of them, and I think he is the better fit for Philadelphia right here at 21. Brandon Ayu is one wide receiver atop the NFL draft board, a senior out of Arizona State. He is 5'11, 201 pounds. ASU has been turning into a West Coast version of wide receiver U. Ayu is looking as if he might be the second Sun Devil to go in the first round in as many years. You remember Nikhil Harry last year was a first-round get by the Patriots. IU stats scream greatness, 1,192 receiving yards a season ago. That was second in the Pac-12, 15th in the nation. Added bonuses include he is multidimensional. You can use him in the special teams game. He returned punts and kicks back with the Sun Devils. He's a speed demon as well in the screen game. His deficiency shows up with his size. He's under six feet. This realization might turn off some teams who think he's not going to win a whole lot of jump balls. IU shrugs off that criticism when pointing to his 80-inch wingspan and his 40-inch vertical leap. One other slide comes down to his lack of sustained production. He produced pedestrian numbers prior to his senior year. He was a two-star junior college recruit, only received one Pac-12 offer. The other interested schools hailed from the group of five, and they foresaw him as a defensive back. He could be a lock for a first or second round selection, although when he gets into the league, it could take a year or two for him to get fully acclimated to the pro game. 
It was a wide receiver, Matt, but surprise, surprise, Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. They went with the rack monster, the the run after catch, passed on the deep speed outside guy with Denzel Mims. They passed on the slot monster with Justin Jefferson to go with Brandon Ayuk. How do you feel about Ayuk as a first round pick here at 21 to the Eagles? Well, I think it should be noted. I don't have a qualm with this pick. Don't get me wrong, but I think there's a lot of a ta- lot of talent there. Great after the catch, a lot of physical traits, return skills. You could give it to him on jet motion and things like that as well. And this is a creative offense. But like LaVisca Chenault, there he had a core muscle surgery recently. And, and who knows? I mean, I'm sure he'll be fine by the time week one or training camp rolls around, assuming those things happen on time. Um, but he's also not great versus press coverage and is kind of a he's just a one-year guy because he was stuck behind Nikhil Harry and was a junior college dude before that. So I like him a lot. I think it's a little optimistic to say he's going to come in and tear the league up in year one, though. And by the way, I love the player vignettes and the profiles done by our college hosts. That one for Ayuk was Brian Finley taking care of some of the Pac-12 players, the host of Locked On Bruins, and as we heard from Brian there in that vignette, uh, the accolades of Ayuk, and he's an electric player, run after the catch. He was he's built. I think the Debo Samuel comps hit a lot with Brandon Ayuk, five eleven and a half, two hundred and five pounds, so pretty thick, and run after the catch. Super long arms, and can go out and get the ball. So he can play on the outside. He can play on the inside. Explosive. He ran a four five zero. You mentioned that core injury might be a little bit faster than that. Actually, plays faster, forty inch vertical, so explosive. A lot to work with there. I think the finer points of of route running in the NFL might take him a bit, but I like the player. Like I mentioned before, it's a pick your flavor wide receiver group here, and I can't really fault Ayuk at this point if that's your guy and you want the run after catch player. Even though I might have a couple of guys ahead of Ayuk, but a, a first he's a first round guy, I think, or at least a fringe first yeah. rounder. You know, early second at the latest for me. Yeah, I don't have a huge problem with it. I just don't know that he'll be a massive immediate contributor, a little bit of a work in progress. And I think Mims's style of play would have been the direction I went. But I like Ayuk a lot. And I think he probably will be a top 35, 40 player for sure. And maybe goes as high as 21. And this is where it gets fun in the draft because, again, this is 32 different GMs with 32 different boards and 32 different mindsets, and we'll be surprised by which players some teams like. There's going to be teams that like a guy in the 20s that most draft analysts and media that we look at, and we get in this group think, and we think, oh, this is a a, you know, a 50 to 75 player. And they're like, no, nah, this is a first round guy for us. So it's going to be mm-hmm. interesting to find out who those players are for the Eagles. It was Brandon Ayuk, which brings us to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the clock at pick 22. They moved down. They didn't like the board, how it fell to them at 14. Everybody expects an offensive tackle to be the pick for the Buccaneers at 14. The top four guys were gone at that position. Now it looks like the board fell really well for them. They added a second round pick. Now they're sitting at 22. I really like Josh Jones, the offensive tackle, who I wouldn't have had a huge problem with, uh, you know, a handful of picks earlier in this draft. I think that's a slam dunk pick for the Buccaneers. Maybe you start to look at some running backs at this point. Maybe you're just going straight best player available for Tampa. How do you like this pick shaking out at 22 for the Bucs? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, when they made this trade, I, initially, I of course, thought if one of the top four tackles would have been there, they'd have grabbed them. They weren't. So let's get out. But I think Jones is clearly the fifth tackle. He's still available. He happened to sneak by Miami at 18, Jacksonville at 20, who went a different direction with Austin Jackson. So, I, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't overthink it. I mean, this is what you were hoping for. You got it. You picked up extra draft capital in the meantime. Do it. Josh Jones. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick is in. Standing by with the pick at 22. <laughs> On the clock at number 22 here on the Locked On NFL podcast mock draft. I am James Yarko of Locked On Buccaneers. And I am David Harrison, also from the Locked On Bucks podcast. And entering into pick 14, the original spot for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we saw the quote-unquote top four offensive linemen in this year's class taken off of the board before we ever got a crack at trying to get one of those guys. So doing so... James and I, as the general managers of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, decided to reach out to our fellow general managers to see if there were any trade partners, any deals that people were looking for to maybe move up and and move into the top 15 to help out their own teams. Eventually, we settled with the Minnesota Vikings, who you obviously know already picked 
14th overall, taking Henry Ruggs III out of Alabama. We ended up with the 22nd and 58th picks. And with pick number 22 overall, the Buccaneers select Josh Jones, offensive tackle, out of the University of Houston. One of the two remaining offensive tackles that are projected to go in the first round. We wanted Josh Jones. It just so happened that Austin Jackson was taken by the Jacksonville Jaguars a few picks ahead. So we were very excited that Josh Jones lands in our lap. A couple of other guys in consideration, of course, was Grant Delpit, the safety out of LSU. The Buccaneers are able to shore up that offensive line with the pick of Jones, who can come in and be an immediate starter. He was an absolute stud at the Senior Bowl. He is going to provide some youth, some strength, a little bit of uh, of toughness to that offensive line to help keep Tom Brady upright as the Buccaneers take the field. While missing out on one of the top four offensive linemen certainly hurt, trading back to pick 22, still grabbing the guy that was number five on our own board to add to the Buccaneers offensive line, along with free agent acquisition Joe Haig, really gives the Buccaneers the opportunity to put the best five starting offensive line on the field in 2020 and also provides depth, with the, which the team was sorely missing in, in the 2019 season. And it also gives us the 45th, 58th, and 76th picks on day two to target positions like free safety, running back, and wide receiver. And a couple of names to look for on day two to address those positions at running back. Of course, we're looking at guys like J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU at the running back spot. At safety, we're looking for guys like Ashton Davis and Antoine Winfield Jr., wide receiver. Both of us really like Chase Claypool as being a potential round three target for the Buccaneers to round out the needs for this team. Josh Jones, offensive tackle, Houston. Jones had a successful college career with the Cougars and now gets ready to enter the NFL with a lot of potential, and that's one of his biggest strengths because NFL scouts and NFL teams love players with the potential to become stars at the next level, and that could very well be what Jones does as he enters the NFL. Some of his biggest strengths, he has really good athleticism, uh, has the strength uh, that you need at the offensive tackle position, um, someone that uh, has shown his ability to improve in a lot of key areas and uh, probably a better run blocker than a pass blocker at this point. Uh, But he did prove while at Houston that uh, he has all the tools uh, to eventually be someone that NFL teams can rely on for many years on the offensive line. Now for the potential weaknesses uh, that could come into a play. And a lot of scouts have mentioned with Jones uh, that he still has a lot of work to do to develop his overall technique in several areas. Um, But the one thing that the scouts have noted is that while he has some technique issues at this point, They are things that can be uh, corrected by NFL coaches once he's able to learn uh, under the leadership of guys at that next level. Um, He can improve some of these areas. And so that adds been to the fact that he has a lot of potential. And while he still needs to work on certain things in passing situations, um, the potential is there if he can continue to develop his overall technique and some of the more important areas for an offensive lineman. Now, will he succeed? Will he fail at the next level? Again, because of the potential that he has, Jones is likely to become an NFL starter and with more improvement could be a potential star in the NFL. This is Blake Lovell of Locked On SEC, your source for SEC content every day. I love it. Add the pick, get a better value for the player you really wanted to take and maybe even would have taken at 14 because you need that offensive tackle, the most perfect need, and this is a high upside player that could fit in, play left tackle for you, play right tackle for you. Uh, he's a nasty player, played really well at the Senior Bowl. He he got better and better as he went on in his college career at Houston. Love the pick of Josh Jones here to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, they couldn't have drew it up any better. I mean, when you make that trade, there's a little risk involved of – we don't know exactly what's going to be there, but we didn't see value with the top four off. So let's go get this guy who, again, I think is the fifth tackle stands alone as the fifth tackle. Um, it was high uh, pro football focus loves this guy in terms of just production snap after snap, how they grade guys really graded well, which, you know, implies he might be able to come in and start right away with, you know, Brady there. He played a lot of football, a lot of left tackle yeah. at Houston. So that's, 
that helps him and that sort of gives him the edge as far as play now versus Austin Jackson. When you line these two prospects up, because we talked about how we both like Josh Jones more, Austin Jackson holds up and physically, maybe athletically, is even a higher upside player. So maybe it's a, a better fit for each team. They got the right fit in their guy with Jackson, a long-term piece that could get there and has maybe a higher upside because of his athletic ability for Jacksonville and the plug-and-play guy now as much as it can be at this point in the draft at 22 of Josh Jones at offensive tackle, both right at 6'5", 322 for Jackson, 319 pounds for Josh Jones, both big hands, uh, long arms around 34 inches, but Austin Jackson had really nice workout numbers as far as athleticism, 31-inch vertical and a 5.07 40-yard dash time and a 1.73 10-yard split, which are all better than Josh Jones, who's not, who's a good athlete, and you can see it on film, yeah. but didn't wow you at the combine, and maybe that allowed him to slip a little bit here. 5.27 a 1.8 10-yard split, a sub-30-inch vertical. Um, he's about six inches shorter in the broad jump, so not quite athletically there as, as much as Austin Jackson is, which is the upside, but Josh Jones, an athletic guy on in his own right and absolutely athletic enough to play a high-level offensive tackle in the NFL. Yeah, and I do prefer Jones, but I think your point is valid, too. And to take it a step further, Jackson's very, very young, too. So maybe his football's well ahead of him. The Jags and Bucks are in very different you know, areas of where you know where their, their projections are this year, their expectations this year. One of them, I think, has a good chance to pick first overall. The other one just grabbed the, the GOAT quarterback and is going to try to make a run. So for week one, I would absolutely prefer Jones to Jackson. But two years from now, Jackson might be the better player. The New England Patriots are on the clock now in the Locked On NFL mock draft at pick 23. I want to hear from the Locked On NFL draft crew, Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak. We'll find out who the New England Patriots select here in the Locked On NFL mock draft special. Okay, Matt, Eagles selected Brandon Ayuk. Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected Josh Jones, pick 23. The New England Patriots have some edge rushers to choose from, have some offensive linemen to choose from, have some wide receivers. Which direction do you go here if you are New England? I mean, I hate to say it because they're such an amazingly successful organization, but they have needs all over the place. I mean, uh, the board could pretty much fall any which way. And at 23, there's going to be something they need. I mean, Unfortunately for them, that's not a tight end. I mean, it is too, too early to go down that road. They've put a lot of resources in the wide receiver position, but Justin Jefferson in the Edelman role doesn't seem so bad to me, mm. or Mims in the Randy Moss mold doesn't sound so bad to me. Rarely does this team get an opportunity to get a difference maker edge player. Could that be Gross Matos possibly? And they look at him as a Chandler Jones type. That would make a lot of sense to me. Um, Zach Bond, though, stands out. I mean, isn't he Van Noy Ninkovich all yeah. day long? Yeah, he does seem like a very Patriot style of linebacker, versatile, with a high motor that will play hard all day long. It seems really like a fit and a multiple piece for that Bill Belichick defense. Uh, but yeah, you're right. They can go to a lot of different directions here. And uh, a lot of talk is with Tom Brady, but this roster has really fallen quite a bit over the last few years. Obviously, guys like Gronk moving on and some of the really good players on the roster getting older. They haven't drafted extremely well recently. Yeah. Last year's first-round pick at wide receiver, Nikhil Harry, uh, disappointed, I think, in his first year in New England, although you know it takes wide receivers some time in the NFL. Could they go back to that position? So it's an interesting pick for the Patriots. Could go a number of ways. Let's find out who the Pats and Locked On Pats host Michael DeBate sees for New England at pick 23. What could possibly make the New England Patriots stand pat with the 23rd pick in the upcoming 2020 NFL Draft? I know the pun might be cliched, but it was intended. Because that is exactly what offensive lineman Cesar Ruiz from the University of Michigan did in this case. Now some may consider this pick a bit superfluous, especially since the Patriots made the decision to franchise would-be free agent offensive lineman Joe Tooney. However, it should be noted that the franchise tag does not guarantee Tooney will suit up for the Patriots in 2020. Since he was saddled with the tag, he's been the subject of trade rumors. And if the Patriots find themselves in need of offensive line help, Ruiz is the perfect fit. Best way to describe Cesar Ruiz from his tenure at the University of Michigan is athletic and tenacious. He has that combination of skills and technique to fit into a variety of blocking schemes on the next level. He wins early with initial quickness, and he has fast hands into first contact. 
He works to convert early advantages into wins, and he's consistent in securing down blocks and has the athletic traits to become a second-level factor as well. He has been known to give some ground to power rushers, and he does need a little bit of help against wide bodies. But if you watch the film on Cesar Ruiz, the tape checks out. He has early starting potential, and he should develop into a very good pro with guard and center flexibility. This is a very big key for the Patriots being interested in Ruiz. Yes, Joe Tooney has been franchised, but he might be on the trading block. And even with the reports that David Andrews is doing much better in his recovery, keep in mind that what he's recovering from is blood clots in his lungs. There is no guarantee that he'll be ready, and especially with the Patriots having a new quarterback under center this year, they're going to need all of the help they can get on the offensive line. A lot of people have compared him to Eric Wood, and that seems to be an apt comparison. A versatile, powerful lineman. With conditioning at the NFL level, he should be able to drop a little bit of weight during minicamp and training camp. That'll help him increase his agility, and it might even help improve his timing in pass protection, which is probably the only Achilles heel he has right now. All in all, Cesar Ruiz is the prototypical Patriots offensive lineman, and if you think about it, he's really the prototypical Patriot overall. Athleticism, tenacity, high football IQ, and most of all, quality character. Adding Ruiz to the Pats offensive line to help protect Jarrett Stidham or whoever may be taking steps under center in Foxborough this year is the smart choice, it's the right one, and that's why in this case, the Patriots stood pat and took him with the number 23 pick. Cesar Ruiz, Michigan, interior offensive lineman. During his time in Ann Arbor, Ruiz started every game the past two seasons at center for the Maize and Blue, anchoring the offensive line. He was named the best pass-blocking center by Pro Football Focus College in 2019. In 447 snaps in pass pro, Ruiz only allowed eight quarterback pressures and none over the final five weeks of the season. Ruiz is also a two-time All-Big Ten honoree, being named to the second team a year ago by the coaches in the conference. And he was named Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Week twice last season for his performances against Illinois and Notre Dame. The 6'3", 307-pound center has excellent snap-to-step quickness and excels with his early initial quickness and fast hands to get into first contact. Ruiz also has the athleticism to become a factor in second-level blocking to open up the run game. The Camden, New Jersey native does lack some desired width for his interior lineman position and needs to work its steering blocks into position to become even more effective at the next level. His strong combination of skills and technique, coupled with his athleticism and whistle-to-whistle tenacity, makes him versatile for a variety of blocking schemes in the NFL. Ruiz is a pretty surefire pick and will look to become a starter within his first two years in the league. This is Ben Stevens of Locked On Big Ten, your source for Big Ten and college sports content every day. And the Patriots went with a plug-and-play starter on the offensive line, the first interior offensive lineman to go in this draft, Cesar Ruiz, the center from Michigan. A safe pick, but a really, I think it's a Belichickian pick right here. A guy who you can plug in that is tough, that is really good, can play for a very long time in the league and really solidify things up front for the Patriots. Yeah, I didn't mention him, and it didn't dawn on me to go this direction with so many other options available, but this would be a very Belichickian type of move too. You know, you're our starting center. We're going to – I want you to be a leader on this team. I want you to help our young, new quarterback, whoever that might be. Uh, we're going to ask a lot of you mentally, but we're going to coach the heck out of you, and you're going to be a foundation patriot for a very long time, hopefully. And uh, they don't care that, boy, you should th- shouldn't take a center of 23. You think Belichick cares about that? Of course not. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. And it's interesting because I talked about wide receiver potentially being a pick here. They spent their second-round pick already. They don't have one on a second on a wide receiver because they traded for Muhammad Sanu last year so it would be a shock now that I think about it if they did go wide receiver at this pick at 23 and again another potential trade down scenario for the Patriots at 23 if they do get those offers not having a second round pick and they're an organization that likes to trade down anyway but they went with Caesar Ruiz the center out of Michigan which brings us to the New Orleans Saints at pick 24 on the clock before we get to New Orleans and the locked on Saints war room I want to check in with Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak of Locked On NFL Draft. Get their thoughts on the first three picks here on day four. And we got to start out with the team that you know very closely. The Philadelphia Eagles at number 21 picking Brandon Ayuk, the wide receiver from Arizona State. Wide receiver is definitely on the radar for the Eagles. But Brandon Ayuk, what do you think about this one? Yeah, so nobody is really sure who the 
fifth wide receiver is going to be off the board. A lot of people think uh, four is locked in for Justin Jefferson, and Eagles fans have been debating for a while if Justin Jefferson is really a great scheme fit because he projects to play in the slot. Now, Brandon Ayuk is a player who can play on the outside. He has a better length, better size. He's got, obviously, the long speed as well. He didn't run as fast as Justin Jefferson at the combine, but there's the expectation that he's a faster player than he tested as he's a better deep threat. He's a player, however, that I comp to Nelson Aguilar, who really struggled during his rookie contract in Philadelphia. The hands are more consistent, though his catch technique isn't great. Mm -hmm. A lot of it has to do with the looseness in his route running and the freedom in his motion, but sometimes he's extremely inconsistent getting to his spots and playing through contact. I'm lower on Ayuk than most. There's other receivers I would have preferred to see at this spot. I know a lot of people really like how dynamic Brandon Ayuk can be, and he also basically has the wingspan of a pterodactyl. So that's right. you know always a plus as well when you're. What wide about receiver. your team here? At, yeah, at 22, Tampa Bay as a result of the trade back with the Vikings, yeah. you're at 22. What do you think of this pick? Yeah, they go Josh Jones, the offensive lineman out of Houston. I think he's an athletic dude, but they're clearly trading back because they would have loved to get one of the top four offensive tackles. O line is definitely their target in round one. They're really hoping, and I think the Bucks could even get aggressive moving up for one of those big four offensive tackles. But if they cannot get one, if a trade can't manifest itself and they're sitting there at 14, it makes sense to trade back. They get a second-round pick out of it. So it, it, it makes sense in that regard. They also don't have to play him right away, and I think that that's, that, that's a bonus. They can still allow DeMar Dotson to play on the right side, and they can ease Josh Jones in, which is good. And then let's, real quick, we got to talk about Cesar Ruiz going to the New England Patriots. I really like this fit. Patriots have a ton of needs, but they've just got to pick up good football players we've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's interesting. This pick made a lot more sense before Joe Tooney was franchise tagged. You imagine that Tooney has a chance now to be a Patriot long term. But if Tooney's just going to play for one more year, then certainly you've now got a player who's ready to slot into left guard next season or potentially compete for a starting center job over David Andrews this year. So it's a good long term outlook for sure. Three picks up in this episode, three picks to go. We'll see you guys at the end of it. Maybe the best roster in the NFL, Matt, is in New Orleans with the Saints. Not a lot of holes on this roster. Very different situation than the team, the New England Patriots picking in front of them, where there's not a number of ways you think you could go if you're trying to marry need with value, but when you do have a good roster, you can also just go best player available there because you don't have a ton of needs. So do they attack that need that most people expect they will at the end of the first round at linebacker, or do they let the board fall and say, that's our top guy, let's take him? Yeah, again, they don't need for much. I mean, it's a really good team. I wonder if Jordan Love are available. Would they make that choice for finally think about the future? I bet no. There you are, live for today type of team. I see three directions they could go. And, you know, coincidentally, an LSU guy from Louisiana would fit the mold for all of them. I mean, they could go with like a Queen or a Murray at linebacker, like you mentioned. They could go a Gladney or a Fulton at corner. Like, when in doubt, take a corner. And I think that's one of their bigger needs. And I like Emmanuel Sanders a lot, but he's a Band-Aid. I mean, if you put Justin Jefferson or Mims in that offense with Sanders and just let Breeze point guard it up, that doesn't sound so bad to me either. Yeah, you're kind of selling me on that idea of a wide receiver there, especially when someone like Jefferson starts to slide here to pick 24. And it's interesting. There are a number of LSU players that I think could be a fantastic fit here and stay home there in Louisiana and play in New Orleans. Do you have a big opinion on those linebackers, on those two you mentioned, that is everybody's top linebacker in a different order in most places, but they're unanimously the top two off-ball, true uh, inside linebacker types in Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen, do you have a favorite between those two? Not really. I, I did my ranks. I had Murray two. I had Queen three. Uh, Murray's a little bigger, a little thicker, considered a big-time competitor, leader. Doesn't get his hands on the football as much as I would like for a run-and-hit guy, especially in coverage. Both of them cover tons of ground. Queen is more of a, a one-year starter. I mean, we know the linebacker tradition at LSU not easy to get on the field. And he's also one of the youngest guys in this draft, which is encouraging for what he might become. And a little undersized for Queen, but I love the instincts that Queen has and maybe a little bit more in the coverage department athletically, although they're both very athletic linebackers. But let's see, do the Saints go with the linebacker? Do they go with one of those two prospects? Do they go elsewhere to the Locked On Saints war room? Ross Jackson with pick 24 in the Locked On NFL mock draft. 
With the Saints on the clock at number 24, I grabbed them an immediate impact defender and Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray. At 6'2", 241 pounds, Murray has good size for an NFL linebacker with elite athletic ability, including explosive traits and impressive sideline-to-sideline speed. The Saints have really put an emphasis on athleticism along the second level in recent years, and Murray would just help to continue that trend. Behind top linebacker Demario Davis, the Saints don't really have much to hang their hat on at the position. Relying on current starters like Alex Anzalone and Kiko Alonso come with some considerable risk as both are coming off of season-ending injuries and have a long history with medical concerns. So Murray, as a three-year starter with Oklahoma who did not miss a game, would then have a chance to start immediately as a durable and reliable linebacker next to Demario Davis. As Davis continues his role as the will linebacker, Murray would be able to slide into the middle, putting his smarts and speed to use. In the meanwhile, you could shift Alex Anzalone to Sam and have him leave the field on nickel packages, which might then end up extending his availability throughout the season, with Kiko Alonso serving as really excellent depth. If the Saints can keep their second level healthy and productive behind a defensive line that put up more than 50 sacks in 2019 and was still one of the league's top run defense units as well, you add that to a shorter improved secondary with the additional leadership of Malcolm Jenkins, and this could finally be the defense that Saints fans have wanted to be on the field to help Drew Brees for years now. I look at Kenneth Murray as a sort of Patrick Willis type coming into the NFL in terms of his ceiling. Now, is he going to be a five-time All-Pro? That, of course, remains to be seen, but his physical profile, his athletic testing, and his college production are very similar in that both were tackling machines at that level. Willis then came into the NFL to lead the league in tackles for two seasons of his career and then also put together two more seasons with double-digit pass defenses as well, and that's the type of versatility and talent that the Saints would love to see for Murray. Now, on the floor side, the Saints, of course, would hate to end up with another Stephon Anthony situation, but Murray's processing speed, however presently lacking, won't stifle him the way that Anthony's did. And the Saints, of course, have much better coaching at that position now as well. So for me, this is a big win for the Saints to have Murray fall into their laps, allowing them to address a big need on a team that doesn't have that many holes. And now they can sit back and address another top needed wide receiver later on in the draft, taking advantage of the depth of this year's talent. Kenneth Murray, Oklahoma linebacker. Murray started all 42 of his career games since his freshman season, finishing his three years as a Sooner with 335 tackles and 37 tackles for loss, tying him for 11th in school history in career tackles and 9th among linebackers. Murray ranks 8th at Oklahoma in career sacks by a linebacker at 9.5. As a freshman, Murray started all 14 games and recorded 78 tackles with one sack to name him the co-Big 12 Defensive Freshman of the Year. And as a junior, he was named to first team all big 12 at six foot two and 241 pounds murray's sleek frame long arms speed and sideline to sideline bursts make him an absolute playmaker now despite murray's raw talent he does lack consistency and his instincts tend to be patchy murray does need to work on his patience to outweigh his haste murray's raw talent makes him advantageous in prospect yes with the probability of being a year two starter if he does work on developing and advancing his technique and watching his drops in zone coverage i'm brian And I'm Jasmine Sadry of Locked On Big 12. Your source for Big 12 content every day. Kenneth Murray over Patrick Queen at linebacker. More of a stout presence maybe inside as a true middle linebacker. Kenneth Murray is your guy. Super athletic and it's a popular pick. I've seen Queen. I've seen a lot of Murray here at 24 to the Saints. Murray, the selection linebacker out of Oklahoma at 24. Yeah, and again, I have no qualm with it. I slightly preferred Murray to Queen, but really they're about the same if I were to actually put a grade on both. Um, Demario Davis, though, to me is one of the underrated defensive players in this league. And now all of a sudden, you have quite the pairing that can cover a lot of ground, can do a lot of things. I mean, Davis, to me, is one of the better linebackers in football, let alone one of the underrated guys. So, You've really made that area of your team a strength, and it's a pretty decent front seven. And again, you mentioned it to start the, the Saints segment here. They didn't have a lot of needs to begin with. And the good thing about both linebackers here that we've talked about in the first round, Murray and Queen, is they could both play inside linebacker. They could both both play outside linebacker in a traditional 4-3 defense. So versatile, athletic players. Saints got themselves a good one here on the defense and really plugged one of the last holes they have on that entire roster. When we come back, we've got... The Minnesota Vikings at pick 25 on the clock with their second selection in the first round and the Miami Dolphins at 26 with their third selection in the first round 
of the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. The Vikings made one of the big moves of this draft, moving up from their first pick at 22 to get to 14 and drafting the speedster wide receiver Henry Ruggs out of Alabama. They're back on the clock here. It's a popular one-two combination of wide receiver cornerback or cornerback wide receiver in most mock drafts for the Minnesota Vikings, their two most glaring needs. They got the wide receiver. Do you think it's all cornerback here? And do you think the board lines up well for the Vikings to take a cornerback at 25? Yeah, I do. I mean, would an O-lineman blow me away? No. Would an Everson Griffin replacement type guy blow me away? No. But I'm not exactly sure who those names are that jump off the page. Meanwhile, there's five corners here that I think could all be in play. Guys like Fulton and Jalen Johnson. Gladney makes sense. I mean, it's a good group. Um, They want bigger guys, which makes me think of Diggs, but they just trade his brother. So I bet they don't go with Diggs here. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, one of these corners, and I'm not sure exactly who I would pick. If it wasn't for the brother factor, I probably would have taken Diggs for this group. But Fulton makes a lot of sense, as would Gladney. Yeah, that'd be funny. They draft Trevon Diggs and then... Stefan says, oh, wait, man, I want to play with my brother. Trade me back to Minnesota. <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, yeah, cornerback, I think, is a very high likelihood here. I think a dark horse pick for the Vikings with uh, they're a defense that wants to do things a little bit more multiple. Might be trying to have a little bit more of an odd front look. They they got their nose tackle this offseason for that sort of a look. And maybe a five technique defensive end slash defensive tackle on Passing downs, A.J. Epinesa might be a dark horse pick here for the Vikings. I'm going to throw that out there, but let's find out. Yeah, Luke Braun, like on, you like that pick? I bet Zimmer would like Epinesa yeah. a lot, too. I mean, even think Zimmer with the Bengals were always oversized 4-3 DNs, Dunlaps and guys like that. So I bet he's high on Epinesa. Right, power in. They could play a 4-3 front, could mm-hmm. play a 3-4 front at 5 technique and then jump inside because, you know, he does kind of lack that twitch as a pass rusher on the outside, even though he was very... Productive. That would be an interesting one, but let's find out who Luke Braun selects here in the Locked On Vikings War Room at pick 25. Luke Braun with Locked On Vikings here. We are up at pick 25. I tried to trade down. I didn't have any takers, which is pretty disappointing because I kind of feel like I had to overpay to get up to pick 14 to pick Henry Ruggs. So I don't have a second round pick right now, and that bothers me. But hey, here we are. Nobody's trading. So let's see who is on the board. And luckily for us, the corners have come off the board pretty slowly and Christian Fulton is still available, which I didn't really expect. So I was pretty happy to go in and draft him. Jeff Gladney is also on the board, would have been perfectly fine with him. But I think I prefer Christian Fulton out of LSU. He plays man better than he plays zone. That's really good for Mike Zimmer, who prefers to keep his cornerbacks on an island. If you can just man up with their wide receiver one and then everybody else gets to play 10 on 10, then you can go ahead and do that. And LSU was able to do that even without Greedy Williams who was drafted away last year, they were still able to do that and have him keep up with guys like Henry Ruggs or guys like DK Metcalf in 2018. He was able to like accomplish those things. So that's really important for for Mike Zimmer's defense. That's what they were missing with Xavier Rhodes last year. He wasn't able to accomplish that kind of just be a dog and go one-on-one and just dominate a guy. And I think Fulton can absolutely be that guy for the Vikings. And now they especially are in need of it because they don't even have whatever fraction of that quality Rhodes was contributing. I also know he said he was a man corner, but that doesn't mean he's like bad in zone or he can't play zone coverage. And that's another thing that's really important for Mike Zimmer's defense is that he plays a really, really mixed bag of coverages. He plays a lot of man. He plays a lot of zone. He asks his corners to play off, to play press. And with cornerbacks in Zimmer's scheme, I actually was able to ask Trey Waynes about this on my show. There's a lot you have to be thinking about. And the most important thing for the Mike Zimmer defense is that you know exactly where you're supposed to be because a motion or a, an alignment shift, even the tiniest little alignment shift can absolutely change like what the defensive backs have to do and the linebackers and everybody and can change the entire coverage on a, on, on a dime. And everybody doesn't necessarily have the luxury of communicating that to each other and going and yelling back to the safety what you're supposed to do. So you kind of have to have like a really, really back of your hand. It's like learning a language uh, grasp on Mike Zimmer's scheme. And I think that Fulton is a, a smart enough corner to be able to execute that. So I'm really, really excited that Fulton fell to me at 22, even though I, I wish I could have traded back. I actually don't know if I, I would have depending on the offer because I'm so excited about Christian Fulton. This is one that makes me feel really, really good about the draft coming 
coming out of it without a second round pick, but with Ruggs and Fulton, I, I can absolutely make my peace with that. There may not be another prospect in the LSU draft class with a wider range of opinions than senior cornerback Christian Fulton. He arrived at LSU as a five-star out of New Orleans, played in three games as a freshman, but got caught trying to falsify a urine test with NCAA investigators, and it cost him nearly two years. He went through an appeals process and was finally allowed to play in 2018, his junior season. He started 10 games and was fantastic for the Tigers that year. 25 tackles, 9 pass breakups, and a pick. He outplayed All-American Greedy Williams in 2018, but he missed the final three games of his junior season due to a shoulder injury and decided to come back for his senior year in 2019 when he paired with Derek Stingley to form arguably the most formidable cornerback duo in the country. In 2019, Fulton broke up 14 passes with one interception as most teams threw toward freshman Derek Stingley. At 6 feet 200 pounds with elite athleticism, Christian Fulton has all the makings of a first-round draft pick and a lockdown corner in the NFL. The question is, will NFL teams be able to look past the issues that cost Fulton nearly two full years of playing time? This is Matt Moscona of Locked On LSU, your source for LSU content every day. And they went with the cornerback. It was Christian Fulton out of LSU to the Vikings at pick 25. Good value right here at this point in the draft. I think Christian Fulton, for me, is probably the third corner in this class. Although after that top two, I could be you know convinced of a number of different players that could fit in as the third best corner in this class. So nice need and value. And over, overall, just looking at the Vikings draft, the way they played this board, getting Ruggs, getting Fulton at 14 and 25, I like it. Giving up a second-round pick to go get your guys. I think this was masterfully done by Luke Braun and the locked-on Vikings. Yeah, you filled the needs, you accomplished your goals. I think Fulton is in the competition or in the conversation as that third corner. Again, that's really a cluster for me. Um, I'm really nitpicking here, but he's under six feet and he doesn't have particularly long arms. So that's not as prototypical as, you know, Xavier Rhodes and guys like that, Trey Waynes that they've been after. But it's not like he's a little guy either. And I wonder if the pool of corners got a little bit smaller for some teams because so few corners worked out and you really want to verify the long speed of a cornerback when you're drafting him in the first round for the NFL, which, you know, we saw AJ Terrell go who ran four, four at the combine and showed up, you know, six, one and, and had the looks of what you want a first round cornerback to look like played a long time for a really good program. Fulton, not quite as big five, 11 and a half, 197 pounds. You mentioned a little bit shorter arms, but was able to show up and run a four, four, six and show that he athletically could be that guy at really good three cone time. And I think that helps him and solidifies Christian Fulton as a first round pick. And so I like the fit here to the Vikings at 25 And Matt, that means we are at the final selection of day four here on the Locked On NFL Mock Draft, and that is the Miami Dolphins, who have made two selections already in this draft. If you remember all the way back to day one, they selected Justin Herbert, quarterback from Oregon at five, after the Chargers jumped in front of them to take Tua at four. Then at pick 18, Caleb Von Chason, outside linebacker, pass rusher out of LSU, And now on the clock again at 26, no movement, no trades from the team with the most picks in the draft that we thought might be moving around to try to get their guys that let the board fall to them. How do you think that board fell here at 26 now for Miami? Yeah, this is not an easy one for me. I mean, my original thought was who's best O-lineman available. You haven't gone that direction yet, but Jones is off the board. Jackson's off the board. Ruiz went. So Maybe those are second-round pick situations. I don't want to reach. I mean, I don't love the interior class to begin with. Seems a little early for uh, Ezra Cleveland, and plus they prefer Braun over Finesse, so that might not be the move I would make. Is there a D-tackle that you could pair with last year's first-round pick? Blacklock is interesting to me. You know, upfield penetrating type, a lot of upside there. Um, you have your pick of safeties. I think that's intriguing, mm-hmm. but yeah. I still think the best value on the board, I keep going back to Jefferson and Mims, but a particularly Jefferson. And I don't know that receiver is a high, high priority for this team, but if you can get Justin Jefferson at the 26 pick, I mean, give your, 
young quarterback, somebody to grow up with. Right. And you had even talked about how at 18, Jeff, Justin Jefferson wouldn't be a bad pick. And he's still on the board right. here at 26. I think Cesar Ruiz going off the board a few picks ago would have been a nice fit here for Miami. Let's see the Miami Dolphins. How are they rebuilding this thing with their third first pick in the locked on NFL mock draft? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins standing by with the pick at 26. The Miami Dolphins have drafted LSU safety Grant Delpit with the 26th overall pick. Yet another defender flying in the face of the needs of Miami's offensive line. But the value here is too good to ignore. The Dolphins once again seeing a run on offensive linemen before they come on the clock. Between 18 and 26, Josh Jones and Cesar Ruiz, both of, both of which who would have been the pick if they were available on the clock, are gone. And instead, this Dolphins defense now goes from very promising to a finished product in having a single high free safety in Grant Delpit, who is versatile enough to fulfill a lot of the roles in rolling down into the box and playing the alley and run fits and matching up against tight ends and safeties in the slot, but also having the burst and mobility and ball skills to play single high free safety. This is an important addition because of the signings in free agency for the Dolphins in 2020, specifically cornerback Byron Jones. Byron Jones, physical press corner. Xavier Howard on the other side, physical press corner. The Dolphins are going to want to play pressure. They're going to want to play in your face on the outside. And having a single high free safety who can go sideline to sideline and make sure he cleans up anything that's getting loose as the Dolphins congest the box and force teams to become one-dimensional is going to help alleviate any potential big plays on the back end. So Grant Delpit, while known for being versatile and playing everywhere, that makes him the Brian Flores home run fit. But it's his fact that he can play single high and go sideline to sideline that makes him the pick over Alabama's Xavier McKinney, who also received consideration here for the Dolphins at 26. Grant Delpit had his issues with tackling in 2019. He drew that back to a lower body injury that seemed to nag him throughout the course of the season. If that is fixed, Grant Delpit is a more dynamic version of Minka Fitzpatrick, who went to Pittsburgh and thrived as a single high free safety. Miami will have those reps, but based on Miami's usage of Micah Fitzpatrick before the trade, the odds are you're also going to see this free safety be tasked to do a lot of peripheral things in coverage and playing inside the box. And that's what makes Delpit such a home run fit for the versatility that he brings, the size, the mobility, the quickness, the tackling potential that he has. And that gives the Dolphins a ton of pieces, both on the second and third levels of their defense, that have experience doing different things. Eric Rowe is currently listed as the strong safety. He used to play outside corner. Dolphins moved him inside and had him play tight ends in man-to-man coverage, and he had a lot of success in the back half of 2017, or 2019 in doing that. Now with Grant Delpit, you've got two safeties that can match up play man against size or against slot. You've got two corners on the outside who are physical and play press coverage. you got Bobby McCain, who's now going to go back to the primary nickel role. He's played outside corner, nickel, and free safety in the last three years. Versatility is the name of the game, and the Dolphins now have a ton of it. This Dolphins defense is a finished product. They're objective in round two and beyond. Let's get some offensive line help for our new franchise quarterback and Justin Herbert. No player in the LSU draft class is more hurt by the coronavirus shutdown of pro days than safety Grant Delpit. The LSU program has produced some incredible safeties of late. From Ryan Clark and LaRon Landry to Eric Reed, Tyron Matthew, and Jamal Adams. But in 2018, Grant Delpit was a unanimous All-American, having the best season for a safety in LSU football history. It was on the back of that reputation that Delpit won the Thorpe Award in 2019 as the best defensive back in college football. But if you put on the tape, Delpit clearly wasn't himself during his junior season. Just 65 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, and two interceptions. Instead of sitting to protect his future, Delpit elected to play through a lingering ankle injury, which clearly affected his performance on the field. He elected not to work out at the combine, instead giving himself six more weeks to heal and train to test for scouts at his pro day. 
a pro day that now will not happen. At 6'3", Delpit can play either free or strong safety, but is at his best when he's closer to the line of scrimmage, affecting the game in multiple ways. When Grant Delpit returns to health, whoever selects him late in round one or in round two will have found the steal of the draft. This is Matt Moscona from Locked On LSU, your source for LSU content every day. First safety off the board here in the Locked On NFL mock draft, Matt. It was Grant Delpit, the rangy safety from LSU. Put him in center field now, and they've got a long-term safety that can cover that has range, that maybe needs to clean up some tackling issues, but I think he's the, he's the first-round safety for me because of that range, because of what he can do on the back end. I think teams looking for safeties in this draft. There's a lot of a lot of safeties that can play strong safety, that could play a little free safety, that could play a lot of cover too, but I think Grant Delpit, for me, the reason he would be the top safety off the board is because of his ability and range as a true single-high center fielder, and I think that is what separates him from the rest of this group at safety. Yeah, really well said. And and I like this pick. I didn't mention him specifically, but I you know thought it might be another LSU guy, Jefferson, and we still get back-to-back LSU guys and Jefferson and Queen are still on the board. Maybe we'll get four in a row LSU guys. Who knows? Um, obviously what a powerhouse that team is, but I just did my safety rankings last night and I put Delpit reluctantly number one. And for all the reasons you mentioned is he's True frees are hard to find, you know, that just are rangy erasers. And you're going to play a lot of man coverage with those two high-end expensive corners and put a single high safety in the middle and then a lot of blitzing and a lot of different stuff in the middle of the field. Delpit makes a lot of sense. And, and I made him my number one because I gave him the benefit of the doubt. The tackling was really bad last year, but he did play through injuries. He toughed it out. And if you get the 2018 version of Delpit, I mean, that's one of the steals of the draft. He probably would have been a top 12 pick or so. He also can come down and play the slot. So he's not just a single high, but that's what he does best. And Matt Moscana has been really busy doing these player profiles for LSU prospects. That's the fourth LSU player drafted, and there's two or three more that could go before the first round ends here. Uh, Overall, just really quick here with the Dolphins and looking at their top three picks that they got. Do you think they could have maneuvered the board and used those extra selections they have better than what they ended up with standing pat, getting Justin Herbert, getting Caleb on chase on and getting Grant Del Pitt now? Um, chase on's not my favorite, but the upside is massive. And it's obviously a position that's very, very important. Herbert's not my favorite, but I understand the allure. I mean, I think he's a distant third on my quarterback ranks, and I don't know that he's a slam dunk to be your franchise guy. So immediately, I don't know that they're remarkably better, but this is a a slow burn, a long play. This is not going to be a quick fix, building it from the foundation up. So I like what they're doing. Um, if you had told me before the draft that Miami ended up with Delpit, Chase on – um, Herbert, I would say that's fine, but I'll take door number two. I mean, it's okay, but I, I think I'll take door number two. Yeah, I feel like it could go better, but there's absolutely the there's the upside with all three of those guys, and mm-hmm. there needs to be development with all three of those players, but you could see how this could be an absolute home run, right, with all three of them reaching their potential. So an interesting gamble, I think, by the Miami Dolphins to stand pat and go with some, some high upside players and try to develop them in and not give up a bunch of pieces, and now they have those extra second-rounders still, and first-rounders and second-rounders next year to maybe hedge a little bit. If some of these guys don't develop, they still have some other players to filter through, create some competition, and create a deeper roster than than moving up a bunch of times and, and going for one or two big pieces. Yeah, and maybe it's a little unfair, me standing here, you know, t- to say it this way, but if it'd be exactly the same, but you swapped out Tua and Herbert and it cost you some pick that we don't know about, you know, down the road just to move up that much, mm-hmm. I think I'd be more optimistic, but he might not hold up. You know, he's a risky guy to take, Tua. Standing by at the draft desk, let's check in one more time with Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak of Locked On NFL Draft wrapping up the last few picks. Hey everybody, Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak back with you again to recap today's picks on the Locked On NFL Mock Draft Special. We had Philadelphia Eagles taking Brandon Ayuk, the Buccaneers taking Josh Jones, Cesar Ruiz going to the New England Patriots, Kenneth Murray 
going to the Saints. They get a linebacker there. And Minnesota Vikings get Christian Fulton. I like that pick. And then Miami going with a safety, but it's Grant Delpit. He's a pretty polarizing guy. Ben, out of the players that I listed there, who's the big surprise for you today? Yeah, I don't think we expect Delpit to be a first-rounder when push comes to shove in late April. Certainly came into the season with that expectation, and he has the traits of a first-round player, but with multiple seasons now of questionable tackling put on his film and with fewer impact plays this year than he's had in years previous, teams are worried about even putting him at single high, putting him on the roof, because then he's your last man back, and in the event that he has to make a tackle in space, he's been untrustworthy for teams at times. So a lot of the projections that we've heard as we've gotten closer April indicate Delpit's going to be outside of the first round with the rest of the safety class available to the Dolphins here at 26. I think a player like Xavier McKinney or Antoine Winfield out of Minnesota probably would have made more sense. I don't think this is a surprise for me. I just wanted to give a shout out to the Vikings Hall right now. They traded up from 22 to 14 with the Buccaneers. They got Henry Ruggs at 14 and then Christian Fulton at 25. I mean, those are two big additions for a team that's that got playoff aspirations. And as we're talking about the teams that are going to pick tomorrow, man, this is this is crunch time for these teams. These are teams that are competing for championships. I'm, I'm looking forward to who these teams are going to be able to pick up. But when you look at teams like the Seahawks, the Ravens, the Titans, are there any is there any team that you're looking forward to the most? I think certainly the Vikings walking away with Henry Ruggs and Christian Fulton against my board gives them one of the best drafts, if not the yeah, best for first sure. round that we're likely going to see here for sure. I think that the Vikings put themselves in a great spot with that slight trade up. And listen, when you move on from a player like Stephon Diggs, obviously that hurts. But then when you have the freedom and the flexibility afforded to you by two first rounders, these are the opportunities you have as well. One day left in the first round of this mock draft special. We're excited about it. Stick around, guys. Okay, Matt, 26 picks down. We only have six picks left in the first round. The Seattle Seahawks on the clock at pick 27 Thursday. We will end the first round tomorrow, but we will continue this through Friday, recap everything, and check in with the teams that did not have first-round picks that could still try to sneak into round one, by the way. And as GM of the 49ers, I will tell you, Matt, I have been getting numerous calls about that pick 31. So to all you GMs out there on the network, might have to up that offer a little bit, see if uh, there's some action at the end of the first round. But it's the Seattle Seahawks tomorrow leading off the show at 27. Ravens, Titans, Packers, 49ers, and Chiefs will all select and finish up the first round right here. Locked on NFL mock draft special.